This is Party on the Peninsulas, your weekly update on the people and policies leading Michigan, with Michigan Democratic Party Chair Lavora Barnes. Welcome back to Party on the Peninsulas. I'm Lavora Barnes. The word this week, voting. Choosing our government through free and open elections is the foundation of our representative democracy. Throughout our nation's 234-year history, the right to vote has evolved multiple times to make that right more inclusive. For the first 131 years of our Constitution, half of us, women, couldn't vote. Now, not only can we vote, but in Michigan, three of our top four statewide officials are women, and the fourth is a black man whose ancestors' right to vote was denied for the first 79 years of the Constitution. A majority of the Democrats in both the State House and Senate are women, including the Senate Majority Leader and the chairs of both Appropriations Committee. The Speaker of the House is Black, and the Speaker Pro Tem is a woman. Five of our seven U.S. Representatives and our U.S. Senator Stabenow are all women. As political scientist Larry Sabato has noted, every election is determined by the people who show up, and all too often, People who crave power have worked to prevent those who disagree with them from showing up or having their vote matter. They do it through gerrymandering, voter purges, manipulating the number and location of voting precincts, excessive voter ID requirements, and barriers to voting by mail. Under Democratic leadership in Michigan, we are doing just the opposite. We're removing barriers that unfairly make voting a burden. This week, Governor Whitmer signed a package of 23 Democratic bills, which further our goal of having every adult able to readily exercise their right to vote. The bills update voter registration with a more complete, streamlined, and secure automatic voter registration process in Michigan, and allows 16-year-olds to pre-register to vote. Other bills expand and secure early voting ban deepfakes and require disclosure if artificial intelligence is used to create campaign advertising, protect the safety of election workers, and clarify that only the governor can transmit Michigan's presidential electors to Congress. At the bill signing ceremony, House Elections Committee Chair Representative Penelope Cerniglou summed up the philosophy behind Democrats' efforts. She said, Today, with the signing of these bills, we affirm Michigan as a place where every voice matters and that our state is dedicated to truly being a government for the people. Another issue of importance to Michigan families is health care. Once again, Republicans are threatening the availability of health care for upwards of 750,000 Michiganders. Their leading presidential candidate has repeated his promise to repeal the Affordable Care Act, Obamacare, claiming he will offer a replacement plan that is better and less expensive. He made that same promise when he was in the White House, repeal and replace. More than four years later, he failed to come up with a replacement plan. We'll talk with an expert in healthcare about what the repeal of the ACA would mean for Michigan in a moment. But first, an update on the political and policy news this week that has a direct impact on Michigan with MDP's Dorian Tyus. In the news this week, 100% of Michigan's energy is set to come from clean sources under a new law approved by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. The state now has one of the most ambitious clean energy goals in the U.S. After Whitmer approved heavily debated bills that passed both chambers of the legislature along party lines. The package of bills will make Michigan a leader in clean energy generation 
and reduce emissions while creating new jobs in the process. But opponents, including Republicans and some business associations, have lambasted the bills with Senate Minority Leader Eric Nesbitt issuing a statement saying the new law creates, quote, far left unworkable energy mandates that will further increase energy costs and make Michigan energy less reliable. Governor Whitmer has signed a bipartisan four bill package that requires a disclaimer on political advertisements that use materials generated by artificial intelligence. These new laws also set penalties for the use of these AI deepfakes to deceive or influence voters. At the bill signing ceremony, State House Elections Committee Chair Penelope Turnaglu, the lead sponsor of the bills, said, quote, there is a lot of mistrust in the government these days. And with the growing use of AI and deep fakes and political advertising, I believe we have a duty to demonstrate that Michigan stands firmly against deceiving voters. This legislation affirms our state's commitment to truth, honesty and transparency, core American values. Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson had the rare opportunity to sign a bill into law during the week. Appropriately, it was legislation to improve election efficiency. The new law ensures that Michigan voters can continue to request an absentee ballot through the Internet with a safe, secure and reliable online system. The secretary of state becomes acting governor whenever both the governor and lieutenant governor are out of the state at the same time. Benson is the third secretary of state in the last 35 years to sign legislation related to elections. Secretary Richard Austin signed a bill as acting governor in 1988 and Secretary Ruth Johnson signed legislation as acting governor in 2013. Governor Wimmer has officially launched operation of the Michigan Department of Lifelong Education, Advancement and Potential. The new department established by executive order in July, is tasked with improving outcomes from preschool through post-secondary so anyone can make it in Michigan with a solid education and a path to a good-paying job. The new department will take over several early learning, higher education, and education partnership responsibilities from other state departments. Still another candidate has dropped their hat into the ring for the Republicans' U.S. Senate nomination. Multimillionaire Sandy Pensler has joined the list of MAGA candidates hoping to succeed Debbie Stabenow in the Senate. Pensler starts with significant political baggage. He backed the 2017 tax giveaway to the ultra-wealthy like himself called Roe v. Wade Tyrannical and oppose fair wages for working Michiganders. One ironic twist in the story, his opponents have branded him a liberal. Pinsler, 67, the founder of the private investment firm Pinsler Capital Corporation, spent $5 million of his own fortune in a failed U.S. Senate bid in 2018. President Joe Biden has taken aim at corporations for charging prices he said were artificially high even though the rate of inflation has slowed and some shipping costs have fallen. Quote, any corporation that has not brought their prices back down, even as inflation has come down, even as the supply chains have been rebuilt, it's time to stop the price gouging, 
Biden said at the launch of a new White House supply chain initiative, adding, give the American consumer a break. The Biden administration has made major strides in controlling post-pandemic inflation. Prices for some everyday goods have fallen over the past year, a reality reflected in lower Thanksgiving costs this year, for example. And lower costs have in turn left some consumers with more money in their budgets for things like Black Friday shopping, when U.S. online sales rose 7.5% over a year ago. Link to these stories and other articles of interest are on our website, partyonthepeninsulas.com. From Michigan Democratic Party headquarters in Lansing, I'm Dorian Tyler. Even before taking office in 2017, Donald Trump was promising a new and better health care plan. It was always coming in two to three weeks. We have two plans coming in, coming out in a very short period of time. We're going to come up with a health care plan. We're not going to vote on it until after the election. The plan is coming out over the next four weeks. What is certain? If he's elected and given a Republican Congress, the Affordable Care Act will be repealed. The replacement? We could go back to the pre-ACA days with out-of-control insurance premium, tens of millions left with no medical coverage, and profiteering by pharmaceutical companies. To find out more about how the ACA has impacted Americans and what repeal would mean for our state, our Walt Sword talked with Dr. Farhan Badi. Dr. Badi is a medical director and CEO at Carefree Medical, a nonprofit clinic in Lansing which serves more than 13,000 uninsured and underinsured people each year. Since the clinic's founder, Barry Saltman, designated Body as his successor in 2015, Body is credited with tripling the size of the clinic and broadening its services. He also serves on the board of the Committee to Protect Medicare. Dr. Body, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. You have been working at the front lines of healthcare delivery for a long time. What's the difference now compared to before the Affordable Care Act took effect? Uh, what changes have you seen at, at the grassroots level? I work in a nonprofit medical clinic where most of our patients either have Medicaid or don't have insurance at all. But the overwhelming majority of them have Medicaid, and that's the result of the Affordable Care Act. One of the most important provisions of the ACA for low-income folks was that it expanded eligibility requirements for Medicaid for states that chose to adopt that. And Michigan was a state in a bipartisan way that came together to pass Medicaid expansion. What that did was it broadened the income eligibility requirements for people to get insured through Medicaid. And as a result, people who had been coming to Carefree Medical prior to the ACA, a very large number of them uh, were able to get in health insurance through Medicaid. And for many of them, it was the first time in their adult lives that they had health insurance. And this allowed them to get access to the kinds of care that you just can't get if you don't have insurance. We were able to do preventative health screenings and mammograms and colonoscopies and get them access to insulin if they need that and other vital medications, mental health medications, which Medicaid covers all of them. So it was a night and day different for the people who we take care of. Prior to the ACA, about half of them had no health insurance. And now less than 10% of the people that we see on any given month 
don't have health insurance. So it, it was a life-saving piece of legislation for our patients here in Lansing. We generally talk about uh, healthcare with the macroeconomics, the big picture, the numbers of people involved, the costs involved and all of that. But at the individual level, it's also an economic issue because if you're sick, you can't work. That's absolutely right. When I'm out in the community and I'm trying to raise money for my nonprofit, because about a third of our budget is still private donations that we solicit and grants that we apply for. When I'm talking to business leaders about why I think they should give us money, one of the things that I often say is, look, a lot of the people that work for you are my patients. And a sick or unhealthy workforce is an unproductive workforce. So one of what I'm involved in at the end of the day, what I'm doing is a, a very powerful engine for economic growth in mid-Michigan because I am helping people obtain the health and wellness that they need in order to be able to obtain and maintain employment. And so there is an absolutely strong business case that can be made that providing health care to the people that we serve actually stimulates economic growth in the region. There's also an impact on those of us who are fortunate enough to have good health care, and that is demonstrated by the fact that the hospitals in your area support you financially because you're taking customers away from them, people that they would just as soon not have to treat. There's no doubt. We save both of the local hospitals a lot more money than they donate to us on a charitable basis every year. The cost of care for an office visit uh, at Carefree or any outpatient center, really, depending on what your insurance pays, we might get $100 for a regular office visit, maybe. And if you go to the ER to try to get that same service, if you need a refill on a medication or something of that nature, and you go to the ER because you don't have access to primary care, you're going to pay three, four, five thousand dollars $5,000 just to check in. So there's a huge cost savings to the entire system when people have access to primary care. And when I go to the ER, if I'm truly sick, I don't have to wait for those people who really don't need to be in the ER other than it's their only alternative so that I can get treated faster. That's absolutely right. One of the main reasons why ER wait times are so high is because there's a lot of people that are waiting in that ER for services that they could very easily get somewhere else, that they don't actually have a life-threatening emergency taking place. They might have an upper respiratory infection. They might have a stomach ache. They might have some nausea. They might have any number of conditions that we could treat safely, effectively, more efficiently in the outpatient setting or in an urgent care setting. And so that's why you're seeing hospital systems locally and across America try to integrate urgent cares with their ERs so that they can try to triage folks who don't really need to be seen in the e in the emergency department setting. But nevertheless, the best way to prevent overutilization of hospital services is to get people access to primary care in the first place. Let's talk about the macroeconomics of this. The former president has said that he wants to repeal the Affordable Care Act and replace it with something that works better and costs less. You spend every day looking at spreadsheets. Is there a way to save money to do what he says he's going to do? I have not seen it. So I am not the person who says that the Affordable Care Act is perfect. For folks who don't have access to Medicaid because they make too much money, 
it is a challenge to go to healthcare.gov or to go to the exchange to try to buy a plan. The types of plans that are available on there are not perfect. And some of them are high deductible plans and they do deter people from seeking care. So it's not perfect, but nobody on the other side of the aisle, our friends on the other side, nobody has proposed anything that would expand access to care more than what we have already. Instead of throwing the baby out with the bathwater, instead of repealing the legislation entirely, what I would propose that we do is work to improve it, work to build upon the progress that we've made, not to just scrap the whole thing altogether, because then you're really gonna set people back as far as their ability to take care of themselves, take care of their families and contribute to the greater society. What would happen in Michigan? How many people would be impacted if uh, former President Trump got his wish and the Affordable Care Act was, in fact, repealed? At least three quarters of a million people, maybe more. What about the costs for things like insulin and for other prescription drugs? I don't have a way to quantify that. There's only one type of generic insulin that you can get at Walmart for 25 bucks cash. But every long-acting basal insulin is brand name only. Lantus, Traceba, Tugeo, Levamir, they're all brand name only, and they're all really expensive. If you don't have health insurance, you can't pay cash for them. It is cost prohibitive. And Medicaid and all the health insurance companies cover at least one of the basal insulins, if not more than one. They've negotiated prices with the drug companies. And so some of those insulins are on formulary with one insurance versus others with others, but at least one of them is covered. In a situation where you have patients who need that kind of medication and they don't have health insurance, you're really practicing medicine with two hands behind your back. Dr. Farhan Badi from Carefree Medical in Lansing, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. And thank you so much for the work you're doing for your community in the state. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. That's our report for this week. Thanks so much to Dr. Farhan Badi for his insight into the threat posed by Republican promises to repeal the ACA. Like everyone in our state, our congratulations go out to the University of Michigan football team on its third straight Big Ten championship, and we hope a national championship to wrap up the season. I'm LaVora Barnes. We appreciate the gift of your time to listen to our weekly update. We'll be back next week and hope you will be too. Paid for by the Michigan Democratic Party, 606 Townsend, Lansing, Michigan, 48933.